Amen. And I want you to look over in First Chronicles. First of all, let me just read a scripture that I was drawn to. And then we're going to get into the word this morning and talk about some things that are going on. And, and uh, because we should be among all the, the people of the world. We should be the most, you know, discerning as to the times. Remember that the Lord said you could tell the weather, but you cannot discern the times. And so we want to discern the times but not only discern them, we want to know what we ought to be doing because of the times in which we're living. And anyway, I saw this in First Chronicles chapter 19, verse 10. It said, when Joab saw that the battle line was against him before and behind him, he chose some of Israel's best and he put them in battle array. My own opinion is God has gathered some of his best in Moravian Falls. I really believe that. But he's gathering them all over in strategic places around the nation for the battles that are about to come. And he's getting us ready. I believe that you are some of God's finest and best. And uh, that's what he says about us. But then in verse 13, he says, be of good courage. How I many of you know it's important to be of good courage? You don't want to be caught up in fear. And let us be strong for our people, for our cities of our God and may the Lord do what is good in his sight. And this is an hour for us to be strong and of good courage. We don't want to be fearful. We don't want to be, you know, those that are caught up in all the things that are happening around us. We want to be focused on him. Now, how many of you saw that we put out the word about the word that was given from Sundar Salvaraj this week? Most of you, some of you didn't. Well, he... He emailed me, I guess it was Tuesday morning, early Tuesday morning. And what's amazing is, just the day before and some of the days before, I've, I've been thinking about him. Just, you know how God puts people on your heart. And I could even see his, the picture of his face and just thinking, you know, about him, how things are going. And whether we should, you know, have him back around here and felt like we should. But anyway, I'm thinking about him. So then he emails me. Now, my own opinion is that was the way God was telling me. If I'd have been a little bit sharper, you know, discerning the voice of the Lord. He was telling me this man's about to contact me. Regardless of the other things I'm thinking about, he's going to contact you. And I'm, so he shared with me a word that he said he had a, a visitation from an angel. And uh, so if you didn't see that, I'll tell you what it was. He saw that there are many senators, many congressmen, attorneys, governors... And we know that the media is part of it that is even now plotting and planning to remove the president. And we know that it's not a good thing because it's God's will that it not, he not be removed. But the word was for the church to pray. And it was a fresh challenge. Now, we know this. That's why we, many of you are part of the presidential prayer watch. 
You know, we know we're in this battle and we're fighting and, and praying in the Spirit. But it was a way of reminder. It was stirring up that, that fresh reminder that we must pray in this hour. You know, after an election, people often go back to sleep. That happens in America. People get riled up. There are all these prayer groups. You know, we're going to pray and fast and cry out to God. And then the election comes and goes. And the prayer meetings dwindle. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. It happens. I thank God we've not dwindled in this presidential prayer watch. This has been going now for a year and whatever, four or five months, three, four, somewhere in there. But the people, I believe there's enough people, there's a remnant that have been faithful. But this is not the hour to go to sleep. It's not the time. We cannot go back to sleep. We've got to arise. I don't know if you are aware, but there are dangers lurking on the horizon for our nation. And the only hope for our nation is that the church would arise in this hour. And the way that we most arise is by falling on our knees. That's the way we arise initially. And I'm going to talk some about that. You know, and I'm so grateful for all of those that are part of the prayer ministry here. And uh, we pray during the week, you know, there's certain times every day. And we have a couple that come. And uh, sometimes there's way more than a few. But we need everybody engaged. You need to row. You need to stir yourself up. You know, we could stir you up if you just come around. We'll do what we can. We'll lay hands on you and stir you up. Some people need a good kick. I got my boots on today. I could give you a good kick. We need, you know, I need a good kick from time to time. But we need to be alert. We need to be ready. We need to be on guard. We need to be watchful. Because these are days like no other. And God has called you and me. We've, he's called us into the kingdom for such a time as this. I got another word. I'm not going to go into great detail. But from a very faithful seasoned saint yesterday. Yesterday, this man does not often contact me. It's just rarely, maybe, you know, maybe this was the first time in a year or so. But, but this man spends time with God, and he's, he's a man of prayer. And he gave me a, another warning on the, the line of this. The church must pray. And he saw some things that are coming. And so we got to build the saints up. we got to be among the strongest. you got to be among the most courageous. we got to be among, among those that have an answer. Because many people are going to be looking for answers. They're already looking for answers. You know, if you're battling cancer, you're looking for answers. Well, guess who should have the answers? The church of the Most High God. If you're battling depression, somebody should have an answer to this. Other than the local, you know, person that counsels you. I mean, all of that is good, but we should have the answer. You and I. And we do. We have the answer. Jesus is the answer. He is what America most needs in this hour. And we've got to shout that like we've never shouted it before. Now, I want you to go with me to Malachi. This is where we're going to take off. And I want to pick up on something. But look in Malachi chapter 3. Say Malachi. You might want to read Malachi, the book. Because when you get to heaven, you're going to meet Malachi. And he may ask you, did you read my book? Did you read? It's a bestseller. You know, you you better read that book. It's a great book. All of them are. But let me just read this and I'll, you know, try to be serious and not serious at the same time. Does that make sense? 
Because it's just, God's word is ser- a lot more serious than what we are giving God credit for. But also, God is not so serious in everybody, you know, the way we present him. He's a loving father. He's, he's strict. He's, he disciplines. You know, but that's how he, we prove that we're the sons and daughters of God. If you go without discipline, then you're illegitimate. Say, I'm not illegitimate. And so you can expect, and it's a loving father. But notice this in Malachi chapter 3, verse 13. He says, your words have been harsh against me, says the Lord. Yet you say, what have we spoken against you? You've said, it is useless to serve God. What profit is it that we have kept his ordinance and that we've walked as mourners before the Lord of hosts? So now we call the proud blessed and those who do wickedness are raised up. They even tempt God and they go free. Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another and the Lord listened and he heard them. So a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and those who meditate on his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, on the day that I make them my jewels. And I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. Then, say then. Then you shall again discern, in other words, you'll be able to tell the difference between the righteous and the wicked, between the one who serves God and the one who does not. Now, last week we began a message, and the title of it was The Plight of the Wicked and the Reward of the Righteous. And we couldn't get out of Psalms 37. How many of you were here? You know, we were just going to start with Psalm 37. I had a whole bunch more, but... It seemed like we just should needed to stay there. Because many people are asking the questions. They were especially last week. But they're going to be asking the questions as to why does it seem like the wicked are getting ahead? Why does it, why does it seem like they're getting by with their wickedness? When's God going to show up and take care of it all? You know, how patient is he? Well, I can tell you, he's very patient. Much more patient than us. He's much more loving than us. He's, he's God. We said last week, you know, people were wondering, how come we didn't have a red wave? There were prophecies. You know, I'm learning. Not every prophecy that comes down the pike is thus saith the Lord. It could be thus saith that man's opinion or woman's desire. You know, you're to judge prophecy. Whatever happened to judging prophecy? You know, we're to test the spirits to see if they're of God. It doesn't mean everyone's a false prophet, but it's just sometimes words are spoken out of season or they are our own intention or presumption. And you know, you can't just believe everything somebody tells you. I mean, if you know that's true, especially if you turn on the TV, you cannot believe everything. You can't believe anything some news outlets tell you, much less any, I mean, anything. But we talked about that and... We realized, we said that God's not a red God, He's not a white God, He's not a blue God, He's God. But we do need a red wave to sweep America. We need the blood of Jesus. We need the gospel. I'm so glad we were singing about the blood this morning. We need the blood to cover the land. We need the gospel. But, you know, we saw some reasons, specifically out of the scriptures. I'm going to remind you. How many of you were not here last week? You and I, if you were visiting here today, you weren't here last week. Here's some reminders we saw out of Judges. Number one, why did God leave the giants in the land or the, the nations? 
Number one was because of Israel's sin. Remember that. It, and, you know, whatever was written beforehand was written for our example on whom the ends of the ages have come. The Scripture says righteousness exalts a nation. But sin is a reproach to who? Any people. Any people. So we know that a nation's deliverance depends on their turning to God. Not just being religious, but there must be real repentance. How I many of you know what I'm talking about? There is no forgiveness without repentance. Now I know that some, they're teaching today to say you don't even need to repent. You've already done that, it's all covered. Well, that's not the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel of the kingdom is to repent. And, and anyway, it's going to be one of the main messages in this hour. And then the second thing was that God left giants in the land so as to test his people. Remember that. He left them so that to see if the people would obey God in everything that he had called them to do. To obey his commandments. There's some things God will leave in the midst of us that we wish would be gone instantly to see if our heart is set on obedience. If we're going to follow him when the going gets tough. And this coming of testing, I started to go off into that, but I said, no, we got lunch today. We can't do that. We'll... We'll go at another time. But I saw in Revelation this test, the hour, what it really means. The hour of trial that is to try the whole world. And I saw that in a different light, but I'm going to save that for a different day. And then the third thing we saw is that God leaves giants in the land to train our hands for war. He wants us to be mighty warriors of God that know how to kick in the teeth of the devil. Can I just tell you that? You know, I believe hell is, they're on alert. I know they're rallying their demons and their troops for this hour, and I know all that. But I also believe there are a lot of red alerts going on. Because the church is arising. There are many people in the land that are catching the fire and catching the vision, and they are rising up. But we were reminded that they're, you know, the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, right? How many of you are glad for that? But they're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. And God's called us to be worshipers. He's called us to be warriors. So I want to just finish up what we began last week. Then I'm going to do something else. And I think it'll, it'll build us up. The scripture should build us up, period. You don't want to break people down and say, okay, go home. We'll see you next week. Some of them won't make it till next week. You got to be built up. But you got to be told the truth. In this hour, we need preachers across America that will rise up and tell the truth. And they'll say, thus saith the Lord. Whether you know if their paycheck is there for them on Friday or not. Listen, God gives you, you your paycheck. Say thus saith the Lord and let God take care of it. And, uh, but anyway, he's going to, he's, in fact, he's doing that. Look in chapter 3. I want to go back. Behold. Now there's a behold, there's a but, there's a then and an and. All of them are real important. Behold. Pay attention. Look up. I will send my messenger. And he will prepare the way for me. Now, who's he referring to? John the Baptist. You know, in the wilderness. And uh, God said, every mountain will be brought low. Every valley will be lifted up. The smooth place in the desert. Make crooked places will become straight. God will proclaim salvation. The way of salvation. But, you know, the word prepare means to turn, to face, or to look. 
I haven't seen that quite like that before. So God says, I'm going to send my messenger. Not only John the Baptist, he's sending us today. We're the messengers of the Lord that he's raising up. You're a messenger. And our part to prepare the way for the Lord is to get people to turn to him, to look to him, and to face him. Does that make sense? Do you understand? How else can we prepare people? We don't have what they need. He has what they need. And so we, we're calling the nation to turn to God. We're calling people to face Him. Intimacy with Him. All of that fits. And the Lord whom you seek. Now this is a, a part we need to pay attention. The Lord whom you seek. How many of you are seeking Him? Will suddenly come. This is a serious scripture. He will suddenly come to His temple. That's us. Even the messenger of the covenant. That's Jesus. In whom you delight. Behold, He is coming. Say, He's coming. He's coming, says the Lord. But look in verse 2. Here's the but. But who can endure the day of His coming? And who can stand when He appears? For He will be like a refiner's fire and a launderer's soap. And He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi. Who are the sons of Levi? The priesthood, but today we are, right? We're a New Testament. We're the priesthood of God. Called to minister. Our highest calling is to minister to the Lord one-on-one. We are called to minister to Him. Then the people. You can only minister to people if you've learned to minister to Him. And He releases you and sends you to the people. Does that, Everybody, you know that. You guys are there because we've got a lot of those people in this church that are doing that. They minister to the Lord. But He says... He will come to purify the son, to purify the sons of Levi and purge them. The word purge means to refine, to strain. You know, what does it mean to strain? I was thinking of one of those, you know, you're straining out something to, to, uh, extract whatever. It says then they, so for a purpose, to purge them as gold and silver that they may offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. Is that what we're to, ultimately, we're going to be a bride without spot and blemish, right? And so he's getting ready. Then, now here's the then. Then, the offering of, of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasant to the Lord, as in the days of old, as in the former years. And so God is going to send two types of fire. How many of you know what they are? Refiner's fire and what else? A consuming fire. He's going to consume. Who's he going to consume? Ultimately, the wicked, actually, ultimately, everything will be burned up. There's a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. But we're his people. He's refining us for him. But look at this in verse 5. And, so this goes with the refiner's fire. And, and means together, right? At the same time. And I will come near you. I've already, I'm sending a refiner, a refiner's fire, but then I'm going to come near you. You're going to see it for judgment. And I will be a swift witness against sorcerers. Now, sorcerer, we're going to see a little bit about that in a moment. But that's witchcraft, wizardry. How many of you know that's going on in America today? I'm telling you, it's more. We heard a little bit from Dr. Troy, the president's one of his main intercessors. He told us things, I don't even think things that need to even be repeated. But the stuff going on in America... And God's going to deal with it. It looks like they're getting ahead. They're not. 
It's only for a short period. And then I will come as a swift witness against sorcerers, against adulterers. What's an adulterer? Sex outside of God's definition of marriage in the Bible. It's, it's the way it is. God defines it. And then he goes on against perjurer. A perjurer is someone that lies, you know, they slander and such. How many of you know some of that is going on today? Lying, perjury, against those who exploit wage earners and widows and orphans, and against those who turn away an alien, because they do not fear me, says the Lord. And then there's some more. Let's go on down back in verse 13. Let me just get out of Malachi so we can go on. Because Malachi is a serious scripture. And that's what happens in verse 13 through verse 15 in particular. The people are saying, oh God, when are you going to come fix it? When are you going to come take care of all this? And he tells them two things. Okay, here's how you will know when I'm coming to take care of it. Number one, I'm going to be a refiner's fire for you, for the church. I'm going to come and refine the sons of Levi. So now he says in verse 15, they're complaining. We call the proud blessed. For those who do wickedness are raised up. God, it looks like they're getting away with it. Those that are tempting God. But then in verse 16, here's what will happen in all of it. Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another. So the first thing that's going to happen is there's going to be a reemergence of the fear of God in the land. When the fire of God shows up, either you're going to fear the fire, or you're going to fear the one who is God sending the fire. And if you fear God, you won't fear anything else. Does that make sense? God is building in, in us such a fear of God, we won't fear any demon that shows up at our dwelling. No devil. If you fear God, you won't fear any demon. Because demons, what, they're nothing compared to the Lord our God. They're just, they're not even, anyways, not even more time, but they're going to fear the Lord. And then another thing it says, now this is interesting, they spoke to one another. What do you think that means? Well, they spoke to one another. You know, there's so many in the church today in the land, they won't even speak to one another. You know, that's going to be a great accomplishment for God to get people to speak to one another again. You know, I mean, be in unity. You know what I'm talking about. And God's going to do it. Um, one of my neighbors, we're looking at um, cutting some of the trees. You know, we have some trees. You can cut them from time to time. And so he's... He's just a good guy. I don't even maybe here this morning. I don't know. I invited him. But he told me some dreams that he had. And um, they're serious dreams. I said, man, do you often dream like this? He said, no, man, it's serious. But anyway, one of them was about unity. Can I just tell you, the church in America is going to be one. It's going to happen. It is going to happen. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what everybody's doctrine, pet doctrine. We are going to be one. It just might happen through some of the fire that God's sending. It's probably going to happen that way because I think I've shared with you before when I was in Cuba. They told us, you know, the church is really one. And uh, we asked them one time, how come there's such unity in the church and the believers in Cuba? He, say, he told us, he said, well, when you spend time behind bars with another pastor, you don't care what denomination they're from. You know, I said, well, that's true. And I, I believe God is going to do some things. But anyway, there's a refiner's fire. God's going to do that, what he said. He's going to make us one. And then they're going to be, he said, they spoke to one another. And the Lord listened and heard them. I believe that there are going to be big answers to big prayers.
That's why we got to get, we got to start, man, asking God, believing God for breakthroughs now. Because we're going to need bigger prayers answered soon. Does that make sense? If we run with the footmen and they weary you, what are you going to do when the flooding of the Jordan shows up? You know, you're the big horses are running across the earth. So we right now should be very grateful. God, thank you that you've not removed all the giants so that we might learn how to battle, learn how to war and learn how to pray and see big answers to our prayers. Because God is a big God. He's going to show himself to our nation that he's a big God. Now, maybe not to all the church that was just playing church, but there's a remnant of which we're going to show the nation that he's a big God. Big answers. And then it says that God will remember. So a book of remembrance. Alex was talking about remember. A book of remembrance was written before him. God's going to remember his covenant, his promises. You know, we should put him in remembrance of the promises that he's spoken and don't give up. I mean, if you know, you don't give up on what God said about you and to you and for you. And so we remember. And then it talks about those who... Fear the Lord and who meditate on His name. That word means to esteem. In other words, to honor. The honor of the Lord is going to be restored across the land. Did you hear what I said? People today use His name, you know, there's no, no even second thought as to how they use the name of God. But I'm telling you, He's going to restore the honor of His name. It's going to happen. Ultimately... You know, every knee and every tongue shall bow, shall confess that Jesus is Lord. And then on the day he says in verse 17 that I, they shall be mine, says the Lord. The Lord's going to claim a people. We're going to know those who belong to him. How do I know that? Well, because of verse 18. Look at that. Then. Say then. There it is. Then. Then means something has to happen before then. So then. You shall again discern between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and the one who does not. And then you could go on if I really wanted to. You could read in chapter 4, the day is coming. Well, I'll just read it anyway, okay? Burning like an oven. And all the proud, they were those who themselves were God. They never bowed the knee and made him their God. And all the proud, yes, all who do wickedly will be stubble. And the day which is coming shall what? Shall burn them up. So that's what the Lord's showing Malachi. Don't, don't complain if it looks like the wicked are getting ahead. If it looks like those who are the devil's crowd are actually winning. Their day is coming is what he says. You see that? It's in the scripture. And the day which is coming shall burn them up that will neither, in verse 1, leave them neither root nor branch, but, thank God for the buts, right? But to you who fear my name, the son of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings, and you shall go out and grow fat like stall-fed calves. And then in verse 13, or verse 3, that is actually... The fulfillment of the promise in Genesis. And you shall trample the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet. Now, some people could translate this, well, we're just going to go stomp on the wicked. No, no, no. It says, on the day that I do this. On the day that I do this, says God. God reserves this for himself. But then it's going to be fulfilled what he spoke in Genesis. Remember what the promise was. 
that the enemy, Satan, would be, I mean, he would be like under our heel, right? Yes, under our feet. It's going to happen, just like God said, from Genesis to Revelation. So anyway, I wanted to wrap that part up because we have to, now I can officially say I finished the message on the plight of the wicked, although there's a whole lot more we could say. I mean, there's a whole lot more we could say. And it's, and we're going to have to say it. And I know that, you know, you think, well, why are you calling people wicked? God called them wicked. Oh, yeah, if, if, if you have any problem, just read the scripture. You know, just say, don't worry about my word, worry about God's word. And this is what he said. Now, our part is to go after the wicked, right? Because our message is going to be, as long as we are around on planet Earth, God so loved the world, right, that He gave His only begotten Son. And whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So we're going to go after it. Now, I wanted just to spend the last 15 or so minutes in something and then pray for an impartation. But uh, have you ever seen, you know, sometimes, you know, you turn your computer on or you, and it says five things that you need to know today. Or, you know, there's a particular story, something going on. Ten things you should know about this. Now, my first thought is, I wonder if it really is ten things I need to know, or is it ten things they want me to know? You know, they want to, they want to order my thinking on this subject. You know, the truth is, let God be true and every man a liar. And if you know what God says about a subject, you don't have to worry about the ten things they want you to know. You will know. And so that's what I felt like we should just do. Look at a few scriptures. And just as a reminder to build us up. Because we're going to have to know some things in this hour. We got to know. We can't just, it can't just be something that you heard. Remember, Jesus said to Peter, who do you say that, you know, who do you say I am? I know who men say that I am. But who do you say that I am? You are the Christ, the son of the living God. Peter knew it. And so we've got to know these things too. And so the first one is in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 19. Here's what it says. It says, we know. Say, we know. Now we need to know this. That we are of God and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. And we touched on this last week. We should not be caught off guard when people do things that are wicked and evil. Because they lie under the sway of the wicked one. The whole world. What does that mean? The world system. You know, God, he's the God of the earth. I mean, we're in the world, but we're not of it. And so people will act after their, their father. If your father's God, you're going to act like him. If you're, Jesus said, you, you do the deeds of your father, the devil. You always want to do those deeds. You know, don't say you're of Abraham. You know, if you really are of God, then you're going to bear fruit. A bad tree cannot bear good fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit. Now, Jesus said that, not me. And so we have to know what he said, but we got to know that we're of God and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. We're, we're in the world, but we're not of it. We're not under the dictates of this world system. How I many of you know that? In fact, Revelation, you know, all this... It's like all of these things are coming together. So it's going to be really exciting from here on out. But Revelation talks about all the world marveled and followed the beast. 
That scripture always intrigued me. God, how is all the world going to marvel and follow the beast? Well, it's going to be like he said. And then over in 2 Timothy. Look over here. This is where I want to show you. Here's something else we need to know. 2 Timothy. Say 2 Timothy. Now you have to know this. Chapter 3, 2 Timothy, verse 1. It begins by saying, but know this. So this is something else we're to know, right? Know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. It became real to me yesterday when that man called me and told me some things that God had shown him. But we're not caught off guard. We know the Lord already told us about these days. Perilous means times of stress, times of great anxiety. Either you're going to hold on to God or you ain't going to have anything else to hold on to. Let me just tell you in my South Louisiana speech. It ain't happening. Hold on to God and you got everything you need. If you're not holding on to Him, you're going to lose everything you think you have. Well, anyway, there's more to say about that. Perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemer, disobedient to parents, unthankful. Spend some time this week between now and Thanksgiving just thanking God. Write a list. Just go down the list. Check it twice. God, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. We want to be the most thankful people on earth because we have so much to be thankful for. Unholy, unloving, unforgiving. We had this demonstrated to us this past was it week, where a former first lady said, I will not forgive. And then the president, now we have to, we've got to pray for him, we've got to encourage him. He said, well, I'm not going to forgive him of something he did. And I understand this, but you know, you got to, you, you know, anyway, you don't want to be unforgiving. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Unforgiving. This stuff's being played out for us every day. This stuff's not coming, it's here. It's not happening. It's here. It's just going on around us. Unforgiving. Then he goes on. Slanderers. Without self-control. Brutal. Despisers of good. Traitors. Headstrong. Haughty. Lovers of pleasure. Rather than lovers of God. And then we know what verse 5. Having a form of godliness. But denying the power. In other words. They have a form of religion. But their life denies the power. That proves what God has done within them. Does that make sense? It's not, there's no evidence of a changed life. It's just mouth service rather than truly a heart change. And we want to have them and all of that. But now notice this down in verse 8. Now, this is where God names names. Well, actually, Paul names names. But Paul is speaking under the inspiration. Now, as Janus and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapprove concerning the faith. And this is a picture of the last days. There will be those who will resist in authority. Men and women of corruption. They will be corrupt. But notice in verse 9. But they will progress no further. There's going to come a day it'll not go any further. God will say that's enough. But we, God will be the one that will define the day. For their folly will be manifest to all as theirs also was. In other words, as Janus and Jambres. 
That's how we can pray in verse 9. God, we pray in the name of Jesus that those that are seeking wickedness, God, the corrupt in the nation, God, we declare they will progress no further. And their folly, God, their schemes and plans will be manifest to all. That's how you pray. But we need to be reminded of what's going to happen in the last days. And then look in verse 12. Yes. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. How many of you know that's in the book? And we remind you of that often around here. Maybe too much. But then when the day comes, you will remember. And Jesus said, I've told you these things so that when they come to pass, you will remember and that you will not stumble. You'll not, the word stumble talks about being offended. It seems like in there, if I remember, one of those words referred to the word apostasy. They'll be, you won't fall away. You'll stand firm in the faith. You'll be courageous. You'll be strong in the hour of trial. And you'll find out that God is faithful to his word and he's faithful to you, his son and his daughter. So anyway, and then it goes on, verse 13, as if we needed to be reminded, evil men and imposters. That guy that was the, Dr. Troy, if just a little bit of what he said is true. We're living in incredible times. There are imposters <laughs> round and about us. They're imposters in the churches. I mean, if you know that. Because that's where judgment begins. It's not what you say, it's your heart. Bear fruit. John the Baptist says, okay, you believe all this? Then bear fruits worthy of repentance. Go bear fruit. The axe is ready to put a cut to the tree, the root. Remember that in the New Testament. It's all in the book of John. It's all there. But evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. So we got to continue. He says in verse 14, now what do you do? Go home and throw in the towel and hide under the cover. No. You continue in the things which you've learned, knowing from where you've learned them. In other words, and he goes on talking about the faithfulness of the Scriptures. You know the Scripture. Know the Word of God. Then in chapter 4, verse 1, what else do you do? Not only do you continue, but you preach the Word. I charge you, therefore, preach the word who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. And then he reminds us a time is coming when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, they will heap up, they will have itching ears. They, they want someone to tickle their ears and they will heap up for themselves teachers. In other words, teachers who will tell them what they really want to hear than what they need to know so that they might turn and do His will. But verse 4, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. What's a fable? Fake. Fiction. You know we hear about fake news in the media. Well, according to this, the, there's going to be a lot of fake news among the brethren, fake doctrines. There's so many out there. And I, I'm amazed. I, I don't have time to go into some of these. I'm, you know, sometimes you can open up something a little bit, just a little. If you don't have time to really close it, you just let a mess out. You know what I mean? It's just the smell. It's like when I'm trying to 
our dog will not eat his dog food. I'm trying to trick him and put some cat food under the dog food. You know, and stir it up and make him think, no, this is dog food, Jake. It's dog food. Can't you see it? You can't fake it. He's got to where now he gets underneath the dog food, he eats the cat food, and then throws gra- hay or grass on top of the dog food. <laughs> Jake, why are you throwing grass on the... It's, I don't even... This dog is very smart. He's telling me, I ain't eating this. I'm not eating. You ain't tricking me. It's not going to happen. Anyway, I don't even know how I got into all that, but fables. Fake. But he says, you be watchful in all things. And that's a great script. You could preach on, chapter, on verse 5, chapter 4. This could be a great message. But you be watchful in all things. All things. Endure affliction. Now you could take off into that. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. Endure them. Endure all things for the sake of the elect. Didn't Jesus say something about enduring? They shall endure until the end. Oh, that's good stuff. Then you'll know and such. And then he goes on. In your affliction, do the work of an evangelist. We're not all evangelists, but we're all to do the work of sharing our faith, living our testimony before the world, and then fulfill your ministry. We've got to fulfill it. And I believe there are many people that God's raising up. They're going to fulfill the ministry. Okay, let's press on. Look over in 2 Timothy chapter 1. I got just a few. We'll go fast now for some things that we're to know. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Verse 11, to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher. For this reason, I also suffer these things. Should I read that again? Did you hear what Paul said? I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher. And because of this, I'm suffering these things. That's why he says, let not many of you desire to be my teachers. Because, you know, with the calling will come a greater responsibility to much is given much is required we're going to be we're going to be held responsible we're stewards of that which god has given us but anyway jesus learned the things he learned to obey through the things he suffered so paul is probably hitting on that same thing but then in verse 12 for this reason i also suffer these things nevertheless i am not ashamed say i'm not ashamed i'm not ashamed for i know That's what Paul, I know in whom I have believed. I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I've committed unto him until that day. You got to know, this is one of those scriptures you need to know. I know, I'm not ashamed. I know in whom I have believed. And I am absolutely 100% persuaded. And I'm not going to be talked out of it. Here's another thing you need to know. Remember Romans 8, 28. And we know, and we know all things. Work together for good to them who love God and are called. They have the calling according to the purpose of God. They're going to work out. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, that which is in part will be done away. Not only will we, we know in part, we know we see in part. We only see the part that has been given us. But how many of you know we can see the part that has been given us? God has made. He's opened our eyes to see that part. 
And then 2 Corinthians chapter 1, he talks about as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so also the consolation. And so we know, verse 7, our hope for you is steadfast because we know that if you share in the sufferings of Christ, you're going to also share in the comfort. They go together. 2 Corinthians 5, for we know that if our earthly house, this tent is destroyed, God is raising up or preparing an eternal dwelling for us to dwell in. 1 John chapter 2, by this we know that we know Him. Do you remember how it fills in the gap there? By this we know that we know Him. If we do what? Anybody remember? You keep His commandments. How do you know if someone knows Him? They have a heart to obey Him. That's what 1 John talks about. Little children, it is the last hour. 1 John 2. And you have heard that the Antichrist is coming. Even now many Antichrists have come by which we know it is the last hour. I'm convinced that the spirit of Antichrist is already in the earth. It's already been. The Lord, the Scriptures say that. But I believe also there's a literal. And you know, the Scripture says, don't let anyone deceive you. For the day of Christ will not come until two things happen. What are the two things? The great falling away. And I'm telling you, the church in America is ready for the discerning between the righteous and the wicked. But also the man of sin, the son of perdition, will be revealed. Do you know, it's interesting that technology exists today for such a system already. I want it, Shirley shared something. Come up, Shirley. Gonna, I'm going to give her the mic for a moment. Give my wife a hand, a applause. Okay, we, um, just in our daily hearing of what's going on in the world, um, came across uh, a, a news article about a company in Wisconsin um, that is embedding microchips in their employees. And so me being the studious one, I always check it out. And so I found this confirmed very much in several news sources like Newsweek and the Chicago Tribune and a bunch of other places. So, but this particular article I saw on CNBC's website, and I don't normally look at them, but again, it was just in my process to confirm what I heard. So this company is named Three Square Market. They are a firm that makes cafeteria kiosks which I think is going to be our next generation of vending machines. And so what they did was a voluntary program to microchip their employees. It was, like I said, volunteer. They had kind of a big celebration party and all this stuff. They got t-shirts saying I got chipped and all that kind of thing. The whole purpose of it was for convenience, according to the company. This was allowing them to bypass things like lanyards with uh, badges, the computer logins, um, keys to the building. And what struck me and really made me take notice of this was also the fact that they could purchase snacks and things like that out of the company uh, you know, on site in the, in the uh, break room and such. And, and so the idea of buying and selling kind of is now possible with these microchips. And so, yeah, I was pretty struck by that. And um, the description, and I saw pictures, and if you go to that particular article, you can see a little video that promotes this. And, and by the way, this is the latest and greatest next tech technology 
Um, that's how it's being promoted. Um, very logical, why wouldn't we do this? Um, but anyway, it's little bitty, like rice-sized microchips, and what they do is, is they're implanted right here on the back of their hand. So whenever they're doing something, they just take their hand and swipe it by the scanner or by the whatever they're doing. Now, the other thing that really struck me in the article is, you know, you would think, you know, it's kind of like a quasi-medical procedure. They would have a, at least a nurse perform it. No, they had a tattoo artist do it. What does that mean? What does a tattoo artist do while they put marks all over people's bodies, right? Hmm. Anyway, um, the company, you know, they're a forerunner. They're wanting to um, really promote this technology in America. They are the first company in America to do this. The chips came from a company uh, named Biohacks in Sweden, and they are producing these microchips, and they have done this with at least 3,000 people in Europe. And there's a lot of companies across Europe and, and uh, in the UK that are promoting this. Now, right now, it's all volunteer. So anyway, so with all of that, I wanted to give you this little current event update that, you know, hey, I think our technology is there to do this, to have the mark of the beast. And so we have to be wise in this. We have to realize that the sell for it is going to be, you know, the pressure to do it. And it's not going to be like, okay, worship the beast, put this on. It's going to be more diabolical and sinister. It's going to be, this is how you do your banking. You have no other way. This is how you pay for your groceries at the grocery store. We won't have any other technology. We're going to a cashless society. So if you want to survive, if you want to exist, you need to do this. And boy, why are you being so stupid about it? What mark of the beast? Are you kidding me? That's not real. I mean, that's what is going to be put to you when, when this happens. And if it's here, just think. When I was a kid, the latest and greatest technology was a calculator that could add, subtract, multiply, and divide. It didn't take long to what we have now is astounding. So this is, this is common. So this morning I was pondering this during worship. And, you know, like the question is, is how can we live? I mean, because I believe we're going to have to do this. We're going to have to make these choices. How are we going to live? So Haley's song, when she's just started spontaneously singing every eye, eye on Jesus, and she just sang it over and over and over. And I'm like, wow, that's, that's the word. And then Alex got up and gave the word about God's provision and how we get it is by our own generosity uh, given to, into the kingdom. And so, and then in, in just my little quiet time this week, I was really struck by in, in, um, when they built the t first tabernacle, the tabernacle of Moses, and how there was the pillar of fire and, and the cloud over the tabernacle, always for 40 years. It's a supernatural thing. And then they had their food given to them every day. And then their, their clothes and their shoes never wore out. And it just, the Lord spoke in my heart. It's like we need to long for and live in the time when the supernatural becomes ordinary. Good job. You know, some of you say, should they talk about stuff like that at church? Is it in the book? What are we doing at church? Talking our own opinion? Are we going to talk about what God said in the Word? That's why Timothy... Or Paul told Timothy, preach the word. I told you last week I had a dream where something happened and I, I knew 
It was a crisis moment. And as I was going to wherever it is I was going, I kept hearing the voice. Preach the word. Preach the word. Preach the word. Folks, this stuff's not coming. It's here. And we're living in the most exciting time. And then in 1 John chapter 3, we know that we pass from life to death because we love the brethren. He does not love the brethren, abides in death. By this we know love because he's laid down his life for us. 1 John chapter 3, my little children, let us not love in word or deed, a word or tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this we know that we're of the truth. And there are many more. And then verse John chapter 5. We know that whatever is born of God does not sin. Now if you study it out, does not continue or practice. They repent. They turn. And, and the wicked one does not touch them. And then we know in 1 John 5.20, we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know Him who is true. And then just a couple more, Job 19. For I know that my Redeemer lives. How many of you know? I know. This is one of our, I, can, I know my Redeemer lives. And He shall stand at last on the earth. In other words, when everything is said and done, my Redeemer, my God will be standing. And my, I will be with Him. And then first, or tam, or Daniel chapter 11, just to wrap this up, verse 32. You can read it out, but it talks about a time of wickedness on the earth. But there's something going to happen in that time. It says, but those who know their God, who know their God, not know about Him, not having heard someone else say who He was, those who know their God shall be strong and shall carry out great exploits. And I believe we're living in those days. So I'm excited. How many of you are excited? We got to talk about this kind of stuff. We're going to talk more about it. We have to be ready. We have to be as we opened up. Those that are full of good courage. Because there are great battles. But how many of you know our king has already won? And our hope and trust is in him. So Lord, we thank you for your word. God, we pray that uh, Lord, your word, and I thank you. You promise your word will not return void. That it always accomplishes the purpose for which you send it. And God, I pray right now that you would build each one up in this room that is of the faith. That they would have a new courage and a new hope. And be strengthened, Lord, in their spirit. More devoted, more resolved to follow the King in this hour. And to let our light so shine among men that they may see our good works. And know where they came from. And glorify the Father. Lord, we thank you for this moment that you've called us to on the earth. This time, this season. Lord, we pray as Alex was cha challenging us. That we would be ready for all that's coming. The harvest, Lord, we know that it's coming. That you've destined and purposed and pr it's been spoken over this place. And we pray, God, that you would be glorified in and among us. And before we go out this morning, I just want to give everybody an opportunity. If you're watching by web stream, you're in this room, and you've never yet surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, you don't know that if today, when you walk out of those doors, if you died, that you would spend eternity in heaven. Or, if today you're not where you once were with the Lord, and you know that sin, something has come between you and God, and you want to make it right with Him today, we want to give you that opportunity. This is the day of salvation.
This is the day to make it right with God. And uh, so we just, you say, what must I do? Well, first of all, you got to confess your need. You say, God, I know I, I, I need you. I, there's no hope. There's no help in anyone else. Then you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that He died on the cross and that He rose from the dead. There is no other answer. It's the cross where the power of God is found. And so then you repent. You say, God, I'm sorry. I repent. I ask you to forgive me of my sin, whatever it is. The Holy Spirit convicts us. We can't come to God on our own without Him drawing us. And then we come through faith and we believe, we confess that Jesus is the Son of God, that He died on the cross and that He rose from the dead. And this is the day. Just come back to Him. So I just want to pray that right now with our heads bowed and eyes closed. How many of you would say, I need salvation. I need to make sure this morning that Jesus is Lord of my life. I want you to pray for me. I want to be included in this prayer. God bless you. Anybody else? I want to make sure without any doubt. God bless you, young man. Anybody else? Or maybe you say, now, I'm not where I was. I'm not where I was, but I want to get back with him. I want to be so close to the Lord. I want to be so close to him. I'm I'm coming back. This is a day of recommitment. Anybody? Yes. Okay. Well, let's just pray. Let's all stand. Let's just stand. Let's pray this out loud. Just pray this as the believers to reconfirm our faith. Just say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you and I believe in you. I believe that you are what I'm looking for. There's hope nowhere else. And I come to confess my sin. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to cleanse me. I believe in Jesus. That He is the Son of God. That He died on the cross. And He rose from the dead. And as I call upon the Lord, Your Word says that I will be saved. And so I call upon you. I turn from my own ways. I repent of my sin. And I give my life to you. From this moment on, I will follow you as my Lord and Savior. I place my trust in the blood of Jesus that was shed for me. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Fill me with the fire and the power of God that I could live for you. And do all you've called me to do. That which I've been made for. That which I've been born again for. And I thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah.